Today we're going to be discussing how to lead from the second chair and serving others and what Megan and I have learned that will hopefully equip you to be more effective as you serve your spouses and the people in your ministry. Welcome to another episode of Marriage and Ministry with myself, Micah Rickles, and my beautiful wife, Megan. We've been so encouraged by all of your support for the podcast. We just say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If it's your first time joining us, we really ask that you would uh, please leave us a, a review, leave a comment, and share it with those in your life that might benefit from it. It really helps us to get uh, noticed and for people to find it. And so we're going to dive right into today's conversation, talking about serving or choosing to sit in the second chair. And so just to get started, let's talk about why serving and choosing to be second is so difficult. All right. So for me personally, um, choosing to be second isn't always the fun choice. Um, choosing to be second can be very hard. I was raised to be a very strong, independent um, woman. So in that, um, a lot of times I believe what I think is right and mm. what should happen should happen. And when you choose to lead second, you have to also choose to listen to your boss or to whoever's over top of you and to respect their authority, respect what they feel and have to overall just trust and have that faith that, you know, the Lord puts you there for a reason. Mm -hmm. So you're there to learn and to grow as well. Mm. So... But it's not always easy. Yeah. That's what I, for me, selfishness is natural. Um, it's it's better for me to choose what I think is best. And I think for you and I, especially being strong leaders, yeah, uh, we have a tendency to believe our ideas are right, uh, that the direction we think sh things should go is the best direction, even in our relationship. Uh, me, you know, at times wanting to, to dominate that and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm the leader. I know what I'm supposed to do and not choosing to hear or to sit in the second chair, even in our own relationship has caused me to miss some really valuable things. And then there are moments when I have done it and it's really helped us to flourish as a family and for us to flourish as a couple. And so I think the big thing, especially speaking to our audience who are ministry leaders, uh, ministry couples, men and women that are going to have a tendency to be strong personalities. Um, they are going to have to really lean into this conversation because I believe it will benefit them not only, and we're going to talk about it, but not only in their marriage, but also in their ministry. So let's talk about serving your spouse. So how do we do this well in our, in our relationship, you and I, some of the good things and bad things that have happened through the years, because you are, you're a very strong woman, which is why I'm so uh, drawn to you. I love you because of that. Your dad was a Marine. Your mom is a strong personality and that's been instilled in you. So it's been something that you've had to learn, things that I've had to learn. My dad is a strong personality. So how do we serve each other or choose to be second in our marriage? For me, I feel like it's easier to serve second in my marriage compared to serving second in my workplace and in okay. my ministry. Um, I feel like that comes more natural for me. Has it always been real natural? Of course not. Our first few years of marriage... Um, being the strong individual that I am, I felt like I even knew what was best, even when it came to things like gardening and how to put the goats up. Like, <laughs> hey, I know how we should do this. You don't know. Um, 
But throughout the years, I learned allowing you to lead my home as the head of my home and me serving you really just made things go so much smoother in our marriage. Yeah. Um, choosing to serve you was choosing to love you unconditionally mm. and choosing to respect you as not only the man and the head of my home, but as my husband, my spouse. Um, and once I made that choice, it's very easy for me. Now it's like before I would say, you've got two legs, get up, make your own plate. Mm -hmm. But now I choose to serve and I love to make your plate for dinner. As simple mm -hmm. as something, you know, as making a plate for dinner, I find joy and satisfaction in that. Yeah. In the beginning, was it always easy? No, I would tell you, God gave you two legs, use them. But now it's like, man, I want to serve my husband. Okay. So there's a love aspect there that you began to, you know, leverage that feeling and that love and appreciation mm -hmm. for, for me. One of the things that helped me uh, to do this better was to limit my expectations. And so what that means is I would come home from like a work day or from, and, and I would have an expectation of what I wanted to see happen. An expectation of what I wanted my day to hold or what I wanted my evening to hold. And what really helped me was limiting my expectations of personal desires and wants but uh, before I um, came in and, and knew what you needed or what my kids needed and so when I would come home I would lean into the dynamic of how the house was um, is, is my wife tired today has she been doing a lot what can I do to serve her before I came home with an expectation of I'm going to do what Micah wants to do it's selfish it is absolutely and but that's what happens and, and I've noticed that in a lot of uh, couples, I did this, especially early on. I've worked all day. I've done my part, if you would. And then I would come home and say, okay, my part's done. My expectation is to do what I want to do. And as I'm loving, which is what you you know, were referring to, I'm looking at that differently and saying, what does my family need now that I'm here? Right. Now that I'm present, what does my wife need? A lot of times you needed help around the kitchen or you just needed quality time. Absolutely. Yeah. Being alone at home for years with the kids. Mm -hmm. um, I had a job as well, but then I had a stint where I was just home with the kids and I needed some quality time. I needed adult conversation, mm -hmm. which was very, very important. Yeah. But I didn't, at first, I didn't think I, I needed to do that. Right. But in a way of, of choosing to be second, I was choosing to hear what you needed. And I would come into those moments, instead of coming home and saying, I'm going to kick my feet up and watch my sports. What does my wife need? Same way with the kids. The kids needed time as well, but it was different. Of course, they didn't need as much conversations as they much as they needed to wrestle or play. But it was my way of coming home and serving my family and choosing to be second. In the same way, the way I would structure my schedule is, okay, I want my, my time to do this or my ideas over here to be done. I would say, what does my family need? And what like the other day, I took my boys golfing. Um, first time ever we get to go golfing, spending some time together. And I was intentional to try to set that up because I had leaned in to they, they needed it. And I think that's an aspect of choosing to be second or um, serving that sometimes is missed. It's simply listening. What does the other person need? Not what do I think they need, you know? Because I would come into a situation, even with you and I, trying to tell you what you needed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Rather than hearing what you needed. It also made my light switch switch, you know, when you started serving me. Oh, yeah. And then it makes it easier and makes me want to serve you back. Yeah. Like, wow, you know, he's really being intentional. He's really pouring into me and into the boys. 
and he's making sure that he's meeting our needs after working all day. So he's worked all day. How can I meet his needs? Mm -hmm. How can I serve him when he's home? That's really good. And there was a security about that that was necessary for me too, that I had to, it wasn't a weakness to choose what was best for you rather than what was best for me. Um, which is different, you know, I, I come from a, a family, you know, my dad is a dominant man. He's just a dominant personality as a whole. And I, to think that, you know, succumbing to what you think uh, is best for a moment or whatever could be misinterpreted as me being weak, but I've found that it's actually benefited our relationship and really helped us to grow. So. Oh, it strengthened our marriage. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So let's talk a little bit about, um, moving this into the ministry. You and I serve underneath of our senior pastor and his wife, and the unique aspect of who we are is we were in charge at one point. We were helping lead a ministry, Um, didn't have a lot of really anyone that we had to report to, and then we came down here about five years ago. Uh, God brought us to a space where now we serve a senior pastor and his vision, and we're, we're having to many times uh, go back and forth between being in charge in a moment to sitting in the second seat and allowing him to lead. So let's talk about how we do that. Um, You especially, like working with him and then also uh, his wife and the relationship there. So let's just talk a little bit about how do you serve well? How do you choose second chair and do that well and with excellence? Because I think this can be missing, especially in the church world. Mm -hmm. A lot of pastors think their ideas are best. A lot of young ministers want to plan a church because they think that's easier than actually having to serve the vision of someone else because they think their vision is best. And this is just the truth. Mm-hmm. Pastors have egos. Can we, are we allowed to say that? We, I always like to say that pastors like to pee on their pulpit. Yeah, they like to mark their, mark ter- their territory. <laughs> that is so... <laughs> like a dog is, pees on a hydrant, <laughs> a pastor pees on his pulpit. Yes. I don't know if we need to edit that or not. That's so you. No, that's good. You just West leave Virginia. that in there. <laughs> So talk more about it. So how do how do we handle that? How do we do that well? And we're learning. I don't say that we're perfect Absolutely. at it. It was but. definitely a learning curve for me. Um, so I came in as the children's director, and I came in because the spot needed filled, and I wanted to serve my church. So I believe that God designed me to serve where there are openings and serve where there are needs. Okay. I do not believe that God designed me to be a children's director. Mm-hmm. That is not my calling. My calling is to serve, and I know that. Um, so serving second was a little bit more difficult in the beginning mm-hmm. because I was married to the lead pastor. You yeah. know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Now I'm married to the second chair. Yeah. And not that that's bad or not that that's wrong. Yeah. There was a change in it. There is a different accountability in it. And um, learning to trust your pastor's vision, I feel, is number one. Mm-hmm. You have to trust them. You have to know that your lead pastor trusts you as well, or they wouldn't have brought you on board. But you also have to um, allow yourself to be molded Mm -hmm. because God didn't bring you in that position just for the fun and for the kicks. He brought you in there because, you know, we needed it. And Mm -hmm. I truly do believe that. I believe the Lord brought us down here because we needed the Bradshaws. Yeah, that's very well said. Uh, Honing in on just just kind of want to reiterate what you just said, the idea of teachability. Absolutely instrumental. And it comes back to that idea that you're not as smart as you think you are. A lot of people think that. And it's a struggle to swallow that pill on the regular to, to realize, okay, I'm, I'm not in that role or I'm not in these spaces because God has brought me to a, um, a moment where I can be developed. 
where there's someone who's been doing it longer that has things that they need to instill in me. And there is a humility necessary that I believe pays off a hundredfold as God honors your willingness to choose what he's asked you to do. Mm -hmm. Um, That second chair is not an easy choice, especially we've been doing this for some time. Yeah, it'll be five years. Yeah, but I mean, even longer than that, when you look at our whole ministry, you know, we've only been here five years doing it. And so we start to say, okay, I think I can do this, or I think I have an idea. But knowing that we're not always as smart as we think we are helps us to sit underneath and continue that mentorship of our senior leader and allow them to continue to make decisions. Uh, The other thing, like you mentioned, was trust. There Mm -hmm. has to be trust. And so opening conversation or pursuing trust is just as much our job as the senior pastor's job as they're leading us. Um, So speaking to people that might be in a second chair that are listening, you have to pursue the trust and the relationship just as much as the senior leader needs to push that and and pursue that with you. And the other thing you mentioned that I agree with 100% is choosing positivity. Uh, That when we come into those moments, even if we don't always agree, We've got to be the ones to be positive and get behind the vision before other people even do. I want to be a leader from the second chair and to do that really well, I've got to be extremely vocal with my support for the senior pastor. Absolutely. Especially when we're in front of the staff and um, doing staff events and staff meetings, you know, when you're senior pastor, this is the vision. This is where we're going as a second chair. We should be his biggest supporters and biggest cheerleaders. And the one saying, yes, we're right there beside you. We are going to serve and we are going to give 110% to your vision because we know the Lord gave him that vision. Absolutely. And that's the, the same thing that we talked about, like with you and I, is I limit my personal expectation or, or vision for things and understand that it might not always go according to the way that I want things to go and being okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard a guy say well, one time, don't make any ideas your baby because then the senior pastor ends up throwing your baby out when you've, you've latched onto that idea or made it so um, just super important to you. And you don't want to do that, especially from the second chair, because there are times that you need to press in I think that's good trust with your senior leader. Even in a marriage, we've been talking about that, that when I come underneath of you or choose to be second, it doesn't mean that I don't press back or still um, you know, assert a certain amount of uh, dominance and make sure we're checking each other, that checks and balances. The same thing at, at our house as a church is I'm, I'm choosing to listen to my senior pastor's vision, but it does not mean that I don't press in on him, ask questions, and get some clarity if I don't always agree. You know what I mean? Uh, because we don't always agree. Right. And I think, thankfully, um, I've been blessed that our senior pastor is an eight on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does not back off when it comes to confrontation, and neither do I. Yeah. So I'm so thankful that when I'm upset or I feel angry, that I can go to him and be like, man, you're making me angry and this is really bothering me. Why won't you let me say Mm. this? And why won't you let me do this? And he says, go get in your car and be still, you know? (laughs) And it's like, I know he's telling me that for a reason. And then taking that home and processing it and then coming back the next day and Mm -hmm. him being like, okay, now let's discuss this. Um, Because leading second isn't always easy. And that's why you do need to be open. You need to learn how to do that respectfully. You need to learn how to do that with a filter. Um, I had to learn how to have a filter. Tell me about the Imagine filter. What does that, that mean? You have to do it with a filter. So. Imagine like making a pot of coffee without the coffee filter. It's mm-hmm. just grains. It would be awful. Okay. So 
I sometimes lack the filter, you know, mm-hmm. my mouth. It's, yes. I know that's hard to imagine, <laughs> um, but you cannot look at your boss and say, man, I want to throat punch you right now. Yeah, that's inappropriate. Yes. So inappropriate. So just having that filter to say, you know, I'm really upset and I'm angry and I need you to hear my heart behind the why. And then that way they can say, okay, I understand how you feel, but you need to understand where I'm coming from. And I do feel like we've been blessed with a senior pastor and his wife that we can always go to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Behind the scenes, of course, you don't do this, you know, at a staff meeting, that's inappropriate as well. Mm -hmm. And just say, this is how I'm feeling. Can you please explain to me why we're making this decision? Explain to me why this is going on. Mm -hmm. And um, we've really been blessed in that. Yeah, so if you're a senior pastor uh, listening, and even let's say this in marriages too, I think some of these things, you know, they translate to both. Where's the space where you're allowing that other person to vocalize maybe some of their concerns, their discontent, be real with you? Um, Because the people that serve underneath of you, the spouse, when you're in a position of authority in a moment, and the spouse is more of the second chair, Where's the space where they have the ability to ask the questions and press in? Because it's instrumental for the person in the second seat uh, to have that space for them to have ownership. Right. Our pastor has done that really well. And we've tried really well to do that for the people underneath of us. Uh, Anyone on our teams, that we give them the the space that they know they can speak candidly, uh, respectfully, but candidly. And, and they're heard, they're appreciated, they, 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 that builds trust. And building that trust, I think, has been one of the best things for us. And the thing that has caused us to stick so well in this house, because it's not always easy. And I think the reason we're able to stick is because we have the spaces where we feel heard. So if you're a senior pastor and you're listening, where is that space? Um, if you're in a second chair, I would say this, um, much like you mentioned with the filter, there is a, a way that we communicate. We talked about communication in our second episode. And so it's extremely important the way you approach your senior leader with your concerns. Because if you do that in mixed company, it seems like you're not positive and right. you're not for the vision. I think in, in, in the circles that you and I are in and we're leading, we need to be the ones that are the biggest cheerleaders for the vision. But in closed moments with our senior leader, ask Hey, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, because if we do it in front, like you mentioned, it could disrupt the honor that you and I have worked very hard to bestow upon the senior leaders. And I say this all the time. I want to be the second chair that I hope I have one day that when I'm thrust into a position of leadership, I want the person or persons that will be serving with me and for me to have a similar heart. That they care uh, about the mission, but they also respect and honor me when I might be making decisions that they don't love. Because it's inevitable. In any organization, that's inevitable. Even in our marriage. There's going to be moments that I'll make decisions when I'm the seat of authority. Or you'll make decisions when you're seat of authority that the other will not love. But the trust has been built. The spaces to discuss it have happened. And now we're going, okay, if that's what you think, you're in charge, let's let's go. And we we go to battle with the other person. Um, which I think is biblical. I think that there's this idea in the scriptures of being an armor bearer. Uh, we don't have time to discuss that today, but this idea of of standing in the middle of the fight with someone, even when you don't fully have all the details or you might not fully agree with the direction, you can still be uh, in that person's corner. And honor at times can be lacking in the church. It can be lacking in our marriages. 
And we've got to push and pursue that as much as possible. So, um, yeah, anyways, other thoughts on serving uh, in our house. Let's talk about maybe your volunteers for a second. Now you're in charge. They're more of a second chair to you. Are there spaces that you choose to be second and put them into seats of authority when they're in the second chair? Is there anything that you do that you kind of work with your volunteers to help them understand how to, to live in those spaces? Yeah, I think just coming alongside your volunteers and serving with them is first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if you don't get down and dirty with your volunteers, Mm -hmm. then they're not going to respect your authority. Mm -hmm. If I can't go in and scrub a toilet with my volunteer, then they're probably not going to respect me. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it comes to children's ministry, yeah, you know, I have one of the most amazing children's pastors. She should be helping pick out that curriculum because she's been doing it for over 30 years. Um, I have an amazing preschool department. You know, they should be choosing the things that they do because they know that age group better than I know that age group. Um, so yeah, there's definitely allowing them to make choices and mm-hmm. me supporting their choices. And also that shows them that I respect. So good. Yeah, I respect their leadership. It's not just me leading them and telling them what they're going to do on a Sunday and a Wednesday or for events. But it's like, okay, what do you all want to do? How can I get behind that? So good. Yeah. And what I hear you saying, and I think this is very good for, especially in a volunteer based system, the, the idea of seat of authority or, or choosing to sit in the second chair, uh, is not the idea of a dictatorship that that's not what we're speaking of, that we're not just, okay, now they're in charge and we've got to listen to whatever the King on his throne says. Um, but it really is the thing that we talk about with our staff is the idea of working in and working on the ministry, that there are moments that you're going to work in, which means you're getting your hands dirty. You're down in in the nitty gritty with your teams. You're spending time in those spaces. And then there are moments where you're working on, where you're kind of out of the midst of that getting in the mess and orchestrating the framework, developing the trainings, making sure that you're doing leadership stuff to move your teams forward in those spaces. And so I think it's important as we work with volunteers that we never forget the idea that when we talk about seat of authority, we talk about second chair and and learning how to serve well or choosing to sit in that space, um, that it's in no way saying, hey, this is a dictatorship. And I think you've done that really well in your space as the children's pastor, that you have, your team loves you. Oh, I love my team. But they they love you and they respect you because you've done that so well. And I think when we're looking back at our senior pastor, um, again, that trust is built through the working in and working on. Fighting beside us and then going back to headquarters and and giving out orders of the direction we should go as a team. Um, Those two dynamics working in tandem together and, and simultaneously is what actually moves us forward as leaders and as an organization. So... Uh, that's really well. Um, let's talk about our relationship for just a moment more with uh, our senior pastor and his wife. Is there any other things that have helped us as we're doing this? And, and I want to speak to it again because b- before we're done to make sure that we hit on everything, uh, this can be a tough spot for a lot of churches. And I feel like if churches got this right, if staff members and people got this right, we'd have a more effective group of teams operating throughout um, the nation and the world as church leaders, there wouldn't just be a, a bunch of you know, solo church entrepreneurs, but there would be teams of people uh, serving. So is there anything else, especially with uh, our pastor and his wife that have uh, helped us with them? Yeah, I think you have to become family. Mm-hmm. 
you have to become friends. You have to become family. It can't just be, he's my boss at work. She, you know, she's over me when I'm in the office. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something they called out in us. Mm -hmm. We were very big to guard everything that happened in our home with our children and our own lives. Um, We refused to be vulnerable. Um, As you can hear, we have a a sweet little babe below my feet. Um, So we refused to be vulnerable and to open ourselves up for that friendship and that family dynamic in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, thankfully, they call that out of us. And we've really worked on that. And I think just developing that solid friendship and them understanding that they're they're now are part of our family. They're a part of our kids' lives, and we want that. Mm-hmm. That really helped us lead second. Yeah, I agree. And the last thing I'll say in our relationship with them is um, they valued us, uh, value us. And I think we need to do that. For the people that serve on our teams, uh, you mentioned that they wanted to be involved and wanted us to be family. And I think that desire to want to have the relationship to value us as people uh, has been very helpful for us to stay in the spaces that we're in, um, because especially when you serve in a, you know, second, third, or, or lower level, maybe in your organization, you have a tendency to feel unseen, uh, not valued, um, and for them to pursue us in that manner, for us to have the moments where we feel valued and seen, has been helpful for us to maintain that. And so. Today, our podcast is produced by Info Pilgrims. If you need assistance with your podcast or the total and complete production of your podcast, Info Pilgrims is the place to go. Go check them out, infopilgrims.com. That is infopilgrims.com. Megan and I would love to connect with you. You can go to micahandmeganrickles.com and find all of the information you need on how to connect with us. And until next episode, continue glorifying God through your marriage and your ministry.